going live. Well, in in this moment, must Ladies happen. and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. <laughs> Drag Illustrated proudly introduces to you the West Buck Show. Like, hey, well, you can keep that going, man. I'm cool with that. Is that we our new intro? There you have it, man. The new intro. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> Hold well, on, what's man. up, guys? We've we've had some budget cuts here at the West Buck Show. So yeah, we've got, we've got I'm, doing just... vo- I'm doing voiceovers now. <laughs> <sighs> it wouldn't surprise me if Wes called and said, "Hey, man, what do you think about doing voiceovers? Like we could do it on the side." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Let's dive into it. Why not? I actually have been going through that for a, a minute. Alicia asked me what was wrong with me the other day, and I'm like, <laughs> "Where do I start?" I was like, "Well, where do I start?" But it was like, uh, "She was, you need a you need a project. You need like." like just put on a race do something occupy your and i'm like oh no i don't want to do that i don't, <laughs> I don't know if i want to do that or not you have a question for us or anything dion or uh, do we have well, our random question it, to start the show deal there's a uh like a little controversy that's pretty big on on the internet right now um and the world is wanting to know if there are if you think that there are more wheels or more doors in on the planet <laughs> i saw this like, one a couple like, of weeks ago anywhere like well, wheels. Are, uh, I, I'm going wheels all the way. Yeah, wheels all the way. Yeah, because I mean, even if you have like, if you talk about doors as far as doors on houses and whatnot. Well, you I mean, but there's like a there's a lot door. of buildings with with like so many doors, like skyscrapers. Yeah, just just think stuff. about think about all the wheels that are in your house with like Hot Wheels, elevators. Yeah. So we're like counting all wheels, is all what you're saying. All wheels and all yeah. doors. Well, I mean, there's a lot of houses that have wheels. <laughs> like, I mean, there's like at least a considerable number of them. You know, think about a race trailer. That's got a lot of wheels and a lot of doors. That's yeah. true. I think there's got to be more wheels. Right? There has to be more wheels. I think seems there like has it. to be more wheels. I feel like I there know. are more cars than there are homes, dude. My yeah, neighborhood, people right. have cars stacked like firewood. It's unbelievable. Like parked yeah, in on it, the road. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> just unreal. The driveway. I'm looking a around of, going, man, where are all these cars coming? A lot of times if your house has wheels, most of the time your whole lawn's full of cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, <laughs> they get run or not, you know? <laughs> Those two things go hand in hand, typically. They do. They yeah. do. Oh my god. Have you seen that picture of like that Bugatti that's backed into uh like a uh, a covered uh, yes, like a little, deal little, beside yeah. the carport. Beside two of them, single yeah. wide. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Cool. Carport is the terminology you're looking for there. Carport, yeah, yeah. yeah. or yeah. lean to, lean to, lean to, call the lean to, lean to. Yeah, man, car, oh, carport was that. escaping me. All right, guys, let's get. All right, let's do party. this thing. Let's get- the West Buck Show. It's uncut. It's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. Speaking his mind. I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Exploring hot topics. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. And spreading the gospel of drag racing. I respect the history. I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Buck show starts in three two one hey gang west buck here drag illustrated magazine checking in it is wednesday april 20th 2022 so excited to have you we appreciate you joining us here uh, each and every wednesday to talk drag racing break down all the the latest and greatest all the new happenings in the sport of drag racing what happened last weekend is almost always a conversation uh, that we like to have special guests and everything in between but 
as I say all the time, it would not be anything without all of you, your involvement, your engagement, you guys being here and being part of the communication uh, conversation, excuse me, makes all the difference in the world. Thank you so much. If you're watching along on Facebook, make sure you're following the Drag Illustrated page. Make sure you give us a like, click that little thumbs up. If you're watching along on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell so you get notifi notified or alerted anytime we post fresh new content. Um, we got a whale of a show for you today. We got a couple special guests that we're going to be talking to. We have Alex Taylor, who I think may well be, may well be one of the biggest stars in the sport of drag racing right now. I'm a big fan. I, we're, we're real big fans of Alex Taylor, what she's doing in the sport. Fantastic. A little after the start of hour two, we will touch base with the one and only pro nitro superstar PDRA, uh, former world champion, Jason Harris, uh, making, making, making waves this past weekend at the big dog shootout out at uh, the legendary Piedmont dragway in North Carolina took the win. Uh, lots of controversy out there, all sorts of things to talk about. We've got a big weekend coming up in the sport of drag racing. We've got, this is a mouthful, right? Yeah, the NHRA Spring Nationals in Houston, potentially more than likely for the last time, the last time the NHRA rolls through the gates, uh, rolls into Baytown, Texas for the Houston or the NHRA Spring Nationals. We have the Midwest Drag Racing Series taking over Memphis International Raceway, Radial Outlaws headed to Alabama International Raceway, and of course, No Prep Kings showing up for their second race of the season out in Virginia. Guys, uh, there's a whole lot of drag racing going on. I sent someone a text today, and I said, there's almost more racing going on than there are people to cover. Like, I was thinking about who we're going to yeah. have where this weekend. Yeah, there's a lot, man. We were there's off. A lot Every, going everybody on. was off last weekend, so we got to make up for it this weekend. I mean, I guess so. I guess so. It's, it's a reminder, a stark reminder, like a really, really... Uh, kind of a rough reminder of there's only so many weekends of the year. I know every time along we get frustrated, right? Man, or whatever people weekends, stack. Yes. Good weather, this uh, early season, spring weather. There's only so many. It's hot. Oh yeah. Everybody tries to stack races up right now. Yeah. And it's really tough. And everybody, I, I wanted to say this, and this is something that I'm seeing a lot on social, like, and I get it. There's all this talk and we've talked a lot about it here on the show about these tracks closing and whatnot. But despite all that, like don't get it twisted. Drag racing is doing well. I look around right now and I'm seeing crowds everywhere. There's 2,000 people at Piedmont Dragway last Thursday night for Big Dog, right? I mean, there's, yep. there's races. We're talking about it. There's more going on than there are people to, to follow it, at least here at Drag Illustrated. We can hardly keep up with all the events going on. Every time I blink, there's another 100000 or $80,000 or $40,000 to win back of the track race. Uh, all sorts of stuff going on. There's a pro mod race on every street corner. It would seem like we got funny car races popping up, independent funny car races popping up. Obviously, the NHRA is really strong right now. PDRA had a barn burner start to the season. Midwest Drag Racing Series had a barn burner start to the season. We had Mike Galemi uh, from the NH or from uh, NMCA on here a couple of weeks ago and talked to him at links about the the great NMCA season that NMCA is, is having. Yep. They're in I mean, Rockingham this weekend. It's a lot of On drag top, racing, yeah, brother. This area, Rockingham, Virginia, Memphis, we don't really count that as southeast. There's a huge test session going on in Darlington yesterday and today. Yep. So Lots going too. on, man. How do you I'm gonna ask you that is this like despite how do you like process those two like stark I've said that twice today already, which a drinking game is is upon us. But well, we've already how said do you, burner twice too. So. Yeah, I know. How do you Gosh, uh, digest? Show, <laughs> how do you digest those two different things? Right. I mean, all this talk about 
tracks closing, Palm Beach International fighting for its life, right? Um, Memphis, it's a foregone conclusion that Memphis International Raceway is closing down. Um, I do think there's a little bit of confusion that remains about the, the Houston Raceway Park down in Baytown, Texas. The well, track's they released not the closing. Open yeah, letter they did. today. Check that out if you haven't read that. Yeah, it's on dragillustrated.com. But perusing that article and just thinking about that, it's weird that these two things are happening simultaneously. Are you following me? Like we've got... We just outlined yeah. more drag racing than a guy can hardly keep up with. I mean, you're going to wear out your subscriptions this weekend if you're trying to watch all of these deals. If you're trying to attend a lot of them, you're going to be overwhelmed. I mean, there's no way you can. It's insane. All the good stuff that's going on. But simultaneously, we have these tracks closing. It's very odd. And like last, last, race at, last race at two of these tracks on the same weekend, right? Yeah. How weird is that? That's so really I, I think it, until we talked about this. The tracks that are thriving are really thriving. And the tracks yeah. that have put the the effort in, the investment in, that are run by passionate owners and people. I mean, I'm not saying some of these tracks that are closing don't tick those boxes, but the ones that have really done the the work to get to this point seem to be thriving. I think all the ones we're talking about racing this weekend fit that bill. And then you've got some that, due to maybe even factors outside of their control, are are closing. So um, it's sort of like a consolidation. The tracks yeah. that are they're thriving are having a ton of races and are doing well. It's weird because it just feels like the sentiment is, well, and this is just human nature. We're so quick to get down in the dumps. Uh, everybody loves to kind of pile on, right? Everybody's talking about, I mean, literally, we posted that story on dragillustrator.com. I'm going to pull it up just so I can like be uh, accurate while I talk about this, you know. The, the post on Facebook's got like a gazillion comments and all these people bemoaning, oh, the sport's dying and this is just another step towards the death of drag racing. And I'm going... What, what, I don't, are you paying attention to the same thing I am? Because I can hardly follow all this. I mean, it's right. insane, all the stuff that's going on. And I mean, like, if you're just, saying you're going to make a decision this weekend and where you want to go. You know, rough, I mean, there's, there's, there's that many good races going on. What, uh, out of all this stuff that's going on, what are you guys uh, most excited about? I'd have to say... Uh, probably, probably NHRA and, yeah. and the no preps going on too. Yeah. So. Yeah, those, both of those yeah. things I think will be good. I'm interested to this see hot right what, what uh, Donald's deal does. This is really like the first race or the first venturing off the beaten path um, for them. I know they're calling it like the third race in the series, but venturing to Steel, Alabama, uh, which is a track that I haven't I, – I don't think I've said Steel, Alabama since the early It's ADRL been a long days. time, man. It's so, been a hot minute. Uh, he showed some photos of the track. looks like they've done some some work there. It's got a ton of paved parking, and I'm sure – They've done everything they can to prepare for those guys, but it'll be interesting to see um, what the weather's like down there and how those, how those cars perform. We know, I think that that's going to be the thing to see what happens when the, when the weather gets warmer as we progress through that radio outlaw series. Well, speaking of radial outlaws, we have a, uh, a rising star in the radial outlaws world uh, on the, in the green room right now, JT, go ahead and bring on Alex Taylor, the one and only. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey, how are Woman. you? Oh, sorry. Yeah, Wolf man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. I'll so where it. are you? You're somewhere between Arkansas and Alabama on the way to Steele? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere um, stuck on the side of the road because it's pouring down rain, so it actually worked out perfect to pull over. But, um, yeah, so I don't actually – somewhere in Arkansas. <laughs> wild times right well so hey you, so there's... you just you just jumped in this radio car and now you're yeah. gonna go to steel alabama you're i mean you're getting the full experience <laughs> it's insane so we started off this like 
for us, our season typically with the Dragon Drive stuff doesn't even typically start till June. And I was talking to dad the other day. I was like, you know, what? I've been at a racetrack for the past five weekends. Well, there's been one weekend that's an exception, but racing back to back to back. And it's not even, you know, we're just now in May kind of deal. So it's crazy. Um, we went down and tested the 55 and then the radial deal popped up as an opportunity. And it's just been like we hit that full force and that's just it's the neatest thing. How do you like How, it so far? Well, yeah, I'm curious because when we were down in Bradenton, you, we're, you know, Alex Taylor is on this quest. For those that don't know, and I think we should probably give Alex a brief introduction here. Uh, you know, Alex, you, your, your story was largely born alongside your father, Dennis Taylor, who is an incredible human being. And I got to spend some time with you guys down, on, uh, down in Bradenton during sick week. Had a ton of fun, to be honest. Uh, you've grown up at the racetrack. You've been a big part of this drag and drive scene since you've got your driver's license, since it was even possible. And the story of 2022 by and large was let's get Alex a six second elapsed time, you know, time slip. Let's get her 200 miles an hour in the quarter mile. And it's been awesome to see this whole story unfold and everything that you've accomplished in the drag and drive scene. But all of a sudden now you're running three eighties at two ten <laughs> in the eighth mile in half the distance. I mean, can you take us through like how primarily, I guess, just the experience of going from, you know, racing on a big tire, right? A, a slick tire with a, those cars are notorious for moving, right? You know what I mean? They have a little bit more wobble to them, especially down track yeah. to these stiff sidewall radial cars and especially going, you know, a big power one. How has this, A, I guess, whole thing come to be? And what's the experience been like so far? So it, it's interesting. That's, you know, a pretty – so when I was – my first car was 68 Camaro. It's a radial car. And so going from that, which was only an 850 car, um, it's what it was starting at to the 55 was a huge change because that was the radial tire now i'm learning a big tire and i can't tell you how many passes and testing like i get out like 60 foot and lift because it just felt like it didn't feel right you know it was right but i didn't have that baseline of what right was and so um, i'm really glad that i went from the the big tire with the 55 to the radial tire with the bumblebee um, pro mod just because it was the adjustment wasn't quite as intense as far as how the car feels so um, a lot of people when I was you know getting ready I shouldn't say a lot but you know some people question like the jump from the 55 to that car because it's such a difference in speed or it seems like such a difference um, but that car drives it's just it's more you know it, it doesn't have that big tire walk and it's less of an adjustment so I'm glad the step happened how it did and it was um, it was the funniest thing because we were down testing that we were in MCA um, in Bradenton right after sick week we'd gone back down and uh, Patrick Miller um, came down to help us test per Ryan Whitty's request and um, literally like we were had just hit 255 and then he said hey you know like we're we're going to uh ducks race this coming weekend and me and ryan and my dad have talked and if you want to drive like the opportunity is yours like come hop in the car and so talk about trial by fire like i've Holy not done crap. anything that fast yeah i had no time to prepare but it was one of those it's like if the opportunity's there like i gotta take it kind of deal so we drove directly from there with 55 and tow um up to their place in South Carolina and we got two attempted test hits at Darlington and um, I you know we didn't even make a pass like we didn't even get off the line but it's got a Liberty in it I've never driven a Liberty so that was a whole different adjustment like not getting stuck in reverse which sounds so simple but 
it, you know, that's something I hadn't done before. So um, I had two test passes and then we were at, you know, at Ducks race. So it was just like out there middle of, you know, middle of everything. Um, but thankfully Patrick and his dad, like they were super easy going. They're like, we're going to slow it down and like, we'll work it into it. So you're comfortable. And uh, we made a couple short hits and then, you know, we got, we ran like a 401 at 197 um, by the time that was over, but we went back and tested and went a, made a fast pass. As fast what is your, so. what is the 55, like best case scenario? What's it run in the eighth mile? I think we ran a 460 something the other day and then we're trying to get it down on 450s, but so, Not I mean, it's so funny, though, to, like, hear you nonchalantly, like, kind of brush off a four yeah. flat, you know. Yeah. I mean, Mike and I were actually talking about this the other day, like, how we've all become desensitized to the performances of these cars. Like, I think your dad would, you know, echo this sentiment that it wasn't that long ago that a car that went 4-0 in the eighth mile was amongst the fastest cars on the planet Earth, yeah, right? I mean, these things territory. are bonkers. But now mm -hmm. it seems like it happens all the time. So it's weird to hear you say that. I mean, was it, I mean, could you, I mean, how much of a difference was it for you? Like, seat of the pants, holy crap, this thing's moving, especially when you started going 380s at 200 plus. You're breaking up a little oh, bit, no. so I'm having trouble getting your question. What was that very last part? Well, just like seat of the pants feel, how much of a change was it going from, you know, running a 460 in a big tire car? I mean, I'm sure you felt like gotcha. a significant sensation, like a different feeling inside the car running 200 plus in the eighth. Yeah. Okay. So the main difference, like not only is the speed, but in the 55, like I've got like a fishbowl I can look at, you know, it's like driving <laughs> yeah. a regular car. Um, and it, it's a giant car and I can see out all the windows. I can look at my mirror. I've got a long mirror up there. I can see the back. Like I can actually see stuff. And I got in this yellow car, the Promod car. And I'm like, am I supposed to see? Like, am I supposed <laughs> to like see what's going on here? Or no, like that, that is what it is. And so I'm like, okay. You know, so not only is it a fast sensation. It's like blinders a on a horse. Sensation, it is with like very <laughs> limited view. And so that's been surprisingly, you know, one of the things that's a, that's a big difference, but to go that fast without seeing the world just fly by you is a different, it's a very different feeling. Yeah. But, it's it's uh, claustrophobic. I think is the word that I would give it. First time I ever <laughs> closed had all my gear on and closed the door on, on a, on a car like that and, and fired it up. I was like, this is, it, it feels like you're in a coffin or something. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's wild. But I mean, after that last pass, this last pass where we did 209, um, it was like, I, all I said at the top end was, holy crap. Like, that's all I could think at the, at the time. Was oh no. What a right as we, her phone probably died. <laughs> she'll, she'll jump back in. Yeah. She'll be back. In. A, she was alluding to this video. They did a GoPro video, like out the back, like it, uh, strapped to the wing or something and, and watching the car and or watching the people standing behind the car disappear. And then you can hear, I guess it was probably mounted inside the car. Cause you could hear Alex. Uh, whooping it up after the run and then she pulls over and then goes behind the car and gives it a thumbs up or something. Pretty cool video if you guys haven't seen it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, Alex's social is is full of awesome videos. How much, like, so when you go into these things and you have an opportunity like this, Alex, like, are you going into it saying like, hey, I've got to use this as an opportunity to just create more content? Like, the more Alex Taylor can get in a race car, probably the better, right? For the so gram, basically? Uh, I should be creating more content. Um, I have all the videos for it, but 
honestly, like, I love the driving. I just, I, I go into the opportunity to have the opportunity to drive the car. Like, that's first and foremost. And so I enjoy it in the minute and at the moment. And uh, if you look right now on my YouTube channel, it's been over a month since I posted a video, which is not, I'm not proud of that, but there's been so it's much. It's hard. It's hard though. It, it takes a while to, to, you know, and then you have to edit and then, it and does. then even writing the captions, like when you're at the track and you, you record something you're like, Oh, I need to post that. But then you got to mm -hmm. go over to the side. You got people hollering at you, you know, and you're trying to put the right hashtags down. You're trying not to make exactly. any, any errors, <laughs> you know, Try okay. to take exactly. care of everybody and not piss anybody off. Those are and do whatever time, it is right? you're yeah. doing, yeah, like, right? Like how rude he is. He's on his phone, or you know, or she is. Yeah. No, I mean, like when you're making your posts and your tags right. and making sure, and someone like Alex who's got tons of supporters, got to get everybody in there. You know, if you leave one person off, you're gonna hear about it. You do, and and yep. it's one of those things where I, I, I don't go. I've always said like I'm. A car, per I love racing, and so I create content so I can keep racing um, rather than race so I have content and so I'm bad about you know enjoying the moment and then not getting the content out I have it all I've got so many videos I haven't even shared my 200 mile an hour pass you know uh, Tom Bailey actually called me the other day and he says like his first thing is do you want us to edit your videos and I thought he was being a jerk and I was like I know I gotta get it out he's like no seriously like do you want my guy that helps me edit to edit your videos I'm like yes please so he's gonna help me out <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because it's pretty much what's required. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it now and it's really tough. Like I think about it from this perspective of like just parenting, like you feel all this pressure, right. To like film everything your kid does and like take all the pictures. But then it's like, man, I'm just trying to enjoy this moment with my kid. You know what I mean? And I don't want to have to think about lighting or angles or, you know, and it's, it's tough because I feel bad for, not bad because it's fantastic that these opportunities exist for content creators, but it is tough because you're out here like living your dream and it's spectacular and the whole world's cheering you on. But there is this pressure to be like, Hey, you better make sure you get your video up. You, <laughs> you need to post every six hours, you know, you got yep. it. And it is a really, really interesting thing. But I think you touched on something pretty cool there that you create content so you can keep racing. I mean, you've turned this into a business and we've been talking about this for a lot right here on this show and on the pages of Drag Illustrated Magazine. That's pretty much what every aspiring racer, that's how you have to look at it. Because I think that's mm -hmm. how a lot of these sponsors are looking at it. A lot of these companies are going, we need Alex Taylor's because we need content. The industry needs content. We need stuff to keep this whole fire burning. So it's, it serves a ton of purposes, but man, oh man, is it a, is it a grind. It is. And, and that's something that I have. I've always wanted to do stuff myself. Um, I like having the hands on control of like, if it's going to be posted to the world, I want my touch on it, you know, not like somebody that I brought in to do it. And so that's the releasing the reins on that something that I've struggled with a little bit. Um, and I still haven't totally done it. But I know in order to like make the next step and do the things that I want to do, I have to do that. Um, but I'm pretty excited because my sister is graduating from college in May. And so she's going to come work with me um, for at least this year and uh, handle lots of social stuff and handle all the, you know, all the things that I kind of drop by the wayside. So she'll go to the races with me and help me with that kind of stuff. So I think that's going to make a big difference. That's awesome. You touched yeah. on something there as well. What, what does Alex Taylor want to accomplish? Like when you start closing <laughs> your eyes, I mean, cause listen, young lady, I mean, you're doing big things out here, right? I mean, you're, you're doing, 
You, dad you, talk. Yeah, dad, dad talk. talk. But you've dad had a ton of, you know, obviously you've become a huge star in the drag and drive scene, which I'd like to talk to you about as well. And now you're diving into radial racing. I mean, you're, you, I mean, you're kind of participating in that series. What if you close your eyes and have to think about where you want all this to go or your ultimate goals? What, what are they? Well, that's a difficult one because that's always been something that everybody's asked, like, what's your end goal? And I've always said, like, I don't know. Like, I know that I want to stay in the automotive world. I know that I want to stay in the high performance side of it. Um, And I don't know if it's behind the wheel or behind the, or, you know, in front of the camera. I don't know what exactly that looks like just because I don't, I've not known what opportunities would present themselves. Um, And so what I've done previously is just like, if the opportunity is there and I think it's going to put me somewhere along the path, then I take it. And um, so I'm still working on what that end goal looks like, but ultimately like I would love to drive and do some stuff, you know, with camera work. And I've got some pretty exciting things in the works right now. That's going to kind of direct what the future does look like. So I'll be able to answer that question, you know, sooner than later, but um, it's just, there's a lot of, a lot of pending things. And uh, I, my goal is to keep a mixture of, of driving and uh, some camera stuff and then my social stuff. So what do you think I, about, I you did some in front of the camera stuff this past weekend uh, at the no prep Kings yeah, event. We've been, more more um, we've been seeing you obviously have a great relationship with the gang out at Iski uh, Nolan, great group of people out there, uh, an iconic legendary brand in our industry. What, what did, what was that like? I mean, did you enjoy that? Did you think that was fun? Yeah. So when I went out to, I went to my first No Prep Kings event in Tulsa last year. And at first I was like, this is such a different world. Like, I I don't know what I think about it. But then as I got to know, you know, a lot of the guys from the NOLA team and a lot of people there, you know, um, and and hang out with Iski, like it's been, this last event was just a blast. Like they're all, they're great people, so much fun to be at. They're, you know, really neat events. So I've, I talked to dad about this often. Like, I feel like there's a little bit expectation to like pick one type of racing and like put yourself in that box. And I don't want to do that. Like I, I like this idea of like going to race a radial race this weekend and then take the 55 and, you know, take it to an NMCA race the next weekend and hop and back and forth and um, just cover lots of different ground. And I don't know that that's that's the right answer. I think that's your calling card at this point. Mm -hmm. And when I think about you and like what you're doing with your career, I think, uh, that exact thing that you're not afraid to, to <laughs> jump around and do different things and try different stuff and just really see what works. And I think that that's going to lead to ultimate success down the road, which we've seen that. We've seen that with some of the young racers. Uh, yeah. Well, we saw it with Stevie, you know, he jumped yep, around and, and he would race just about anything. Um, Alex Laughlin, uh, yeah. he's the same way. I mean, go kart, drive to, anything, to, mules. You know, UTVs yeah. to, to drag racing. It didn't matter. Right. And uh, I, I don't think it's uncommon anymore. But interestingly, I don't think either one of those guys, um, you know, I'm not trying to be mean or whatever, but I don't really feel like we got to, we saw it happen from afar. But the cool thing with Alex is that we're kind of getting to participate in the story like and right see along. it unfold, yeah. like right along. And that's, I think that's the coolest part of it because like you, you knew Alex drove a bunch of different stuff and then he ended up in pro stock and we all got to know him very well in pro stock. And now he's in top fuel and we're continuing to get to know him. The same goes for Stevie Fast. I mean, Stevie bounced all over running radial tire cars, nitrous cars, blower cars. I mean, grudge racing, everything yeah. except grudge racing. But we didn't really, we didn't have a front row seat to all that. But with you, Alex, we've gotten to see, you know, we're getting to see this. So I think that that, from a content creative creation perspective, that's a great story. And, and, like and also you for kind of find your way. 
for, for sponsorship and partners. I mean, I, every time I turn around, I feel like I see someone or hear someone say, Hey, we've added a Alex Taylor as a, as a brand ambassador, as a partner, <laughs> or, or we're sponsoring her this year. And I think that that, that's something that they are after because they want to touch that more mainstream audience or touch multiple audiences. And I think that kind of making one investment with you guys is, is a way they're achieving that. Have you seen that or heard that from the people that you're partnering with? And is it, is that something that has opened more doors for you recently? I think it definitely has. It's something that I actually talk quite a bit with Nolan from ISKI um, about like is being able to cover different areas because um, not only do you have racing, but then, you know, in the shop, dad and I, you know, building and creating and, and things like that. So um, it's been it's been pretty cool over the past year to go from building the 55 to all the doors that the 55 opened and being able to share it. And it is cool to be able to document it. And I think it draws people in that are, you know, they could be in their home, like at home in their garage and, and be building and it, you know, that's still interesting to them. Cause there's a certain level of when you're just strictly racing where you lose some relatableness, um, at least with like certain cars, you know, the faster they are, they may be a little bit less relatable, but if you show like the struggles and the learning process and like the actual personal side of like what your life is, like my life is based around cars. Like that's all I do. Um, and so like being able to show all aspects of it, then you add like a personal, like human side to it. And so I think that's what a lot of brands like more so than even just, cause like, I don't necessarily win a lot of stuff, to be honest, you know, I'm working on it, but um, I've got a lot of great people that's behind me because they're along for that process and along for that. And it still shows the story to the outside. And speaking viewers. of relatability, uh, Alex, you're exactly right. Because I think if you wait and we've had this conversation with, with like advertising customers in the magazine and racers that we've worked with in the past, that it's like, you don't really want to wait until you're, well, A, drag racing will break your heart, right? I mean, this isn't, I mean, you're going to, no matter how successful you are, you're going to lose a lot. You take a lot of L's in this sport, no matter how much you win, you're going to lose a lot. So if you wait until you're in the winner's circle to start telling your story, or if you wait until you're stacking up championships to start telling your story, you're right. You kind of enter the conversation at a point where people are like, oh, okay, that guy or gal is way yeah, beyond anything that I'm ever going to experience. Exactly. Um, so I think it's right. a very and valuable made, thing. It, it, it's, there's also a chance you may never get to that point. And I think so many yeah. people put all their weight behind on-track performance and think that that's going to carry them. And that, it maybe at one mm -hmm. point it did. But even if you're out there winning championships, you've got to do what you're doing. And I think there's doing what you're doing, regardless whether you win or not, is so underrated. Um, i that's how we kind of did with my dad for all these years is that, you know, you may not win every race, but if you if you do a pre and post race release and you're doing social and you're doing the things to try to keep your name out there, anytime you get a sponsorship, you're announcing it, all these things that I feel like at the upper echelons, especially in door car racing, a lot of people just neglect because mm -hmm. they're relying on their on track performance that can make up for so many things. I think, really I think people are, I think people are paying attention too. Uh, you yeah. have a huge following, uh, well, just for instance, uh, you know, make no mistake, when Stevie went out to Garrett Mitchell's little race mm -hmm. you know, that, he, that he put on, I'm sure he looked around and thought, he, he did all this off YouTube videos? You know, <laughs> and, if you, and, and if you noticed, when he, when he got back from that race, he started creating, creating uh, YouTube videos and more social posts. And I think it's just mm -hmm. a kind of a rude awakening, like, wow, you know, 
maybe we waited too long, but but they're trying to they're trying to hop on the wagon now. Well, and I think that's why everybody gets so feisty about no prep kings, is because all the hardcore like traditional drag racing guys are going. Why are these guys famous? They've never won a Wally. You know what I mean? They've never won Indy. They've never won at Pomona. And you you kind of get where they're coming from, but it's rooted in jealousy, right? I mean, it's rooted in the fact that these people started telling their story. They started connecting with people. And obviously, they had a huge leg up with Discovery Channel. But there's still no doubt that creating that content and putting themselves out there and living with the consequences is really the magic. That's what makes the difference. It's funny, too. You made a, a good point about knowing all these different walks of the racing life because I remember one time I interviewed John Force and I'm not trying to throw the guy under the bus but he was he was trying to give me a compliment but it spoke to how like singularly focused those guys are and gals are he goes you know I like that magazine of yours kid and I'm like oh thanks John you know and this is big book. you know it was a big deal to book. me that's what buck. he, he calls book. me buck um, no, no, book. love your book yeah. love that book love your book he goes I like that thing uh he goes it's got all them other you know stock cars in it Right. And he was meaning like, you know, 10, five cars and door slammers and stuff. But it just goes to show you that, like, he doesn't even speak that terminology. I mean, he's so yep. dyed in the wool nitro. And a lot of those guys and gals are. And I think that you're it's a good thing to be well versed in all these different worlds because our sport is already massively segmented. And when you have the ability to show up at a no, a no prep Kings event and be welcomed and be part of the crowd, but also go to steel Alabama this weekend with Donald long and, you know, that whole radial tire contingent who are, you know, as hardcore and a pat as pat and passionate about what they do as anybody else in drag racing. But then you can also show up at the Midwest drags or out at Rocky mountain race week and be one of the, one of the gang. That's a valuable, I mean, that's a valuable right. skill, a valuable trait, Alex, that I think is going to serve you well. It's interesting, at least to me that, uh, that you're able to go to all those different areas and fit right in. What do you make of, we were talking about this to start the show and you were in the green room. I don't know if you overheard us, but there's, what do you make of the sport of drag racing right now? I mean, as a young person uh, that has a strong following on social, that's super active in this sport, I'm just curious because you can't help but hear about the tracks closing or this happening or that tracks going away or whatever. But we continue to rant and rave that, man, this is a good time. I mean, you were at Sick Week. That place was packed. Most of the tracks we went to had a hell of a crowd. They sold out of cars. Uh, Lights that's Out, cool. obviously, was bonkers. You were down there for that, or excuse me, the Sweet 16 uh, you were at No Prep Kings this past weekend. I mean, what's your take on this sport right now? I mean, you got to feel good. Look at the look at the opportunity drag racing has provided you. Well, that's you know that's the thing, and it, it has, and I, I'm thankful for that. But there is a lot happening, just like you're saying. Um, it's I like I just mentioned earlier. Like I've been at a track for five different weekends, and it's not for the same series. You know, like there's so many events, and. Um, you do hear of tracks closing. We we're actually discussing that on the way here, but at the same time, like the tracks are there and that are they're they're thriving. And there's a lot of, I mean, I can't speak on their behalf, but you right. see people showing up to those. You see um, there's a lot circling the sport. You talk to companies, you can't get parts, which that's for, you know, whatever reason it may be, but part of it's because people are out and doing things. And um, you know, there's other factors that play into that, but there's a lot that's happening. And I think that there's, there are a lot of young people into it to, you know, in different extents. Like you might say in some segments, say the NHRA maybe, which I don't, I'm just speaking here, you know, there may not be as much new blood in that. 
Um, but like there's stuff that starts, you know, in other areas that, you know, entry level and things like that, where there's a lot of people out doing stuff and you have so many new cars that with the new rules and everything that you can go out and put your car on the track. Like there's, I think there's a lot. And I think, you know, there's lots of opportunities and I think companies are like with the combination of social and things like that, it allows parts to be showcased and people to be doing things and uh, provide the storyline. I think there's, I think it's alive and, and, and well. I agree. I mean, I don't think I saw a better example in recent memory than Sick Week. And mm-hmm. I think people think I've become like a fanboy of that particular <laughs> event. And But it was just the it was like a cornucopia of you had of cars, right? You had Tom Bailey's stuff, your guys' car, like these really exotic high-end machines, but you also had like relatively stock Mustangs, Camaros, Cadillac CTSVs, some highly modified street cars. We followed a Turbo S10 down the highway build. for quite a while. Um, I couldn't the place they sold out of tech cards, and I looked around and I'm thinking, how can you not feel good about car culture when you see events like this? And just the people that were following along that weren't even participants, that weren't racing. I was really blown away with it, uh, that whole event. What do you make of the drag and drive scene? I mean, obviously you're doing this radial uh, experiment right now, but what's what's your uh, plan for the rest of 2022? I'm assuming that we're going to see the 55 of you and Pops um, at a bunch of these deals. Yeah, so um, I had question, not question, but last year I was trying to say, I was like, do I stay in drag and drive or do I try to try other stuff just because like for personal growth, I was trying yeah. to decide what the best route was, but drag and drive has just exploded. And that's something that I've talked a lot, you know, about with Tom Bailey, who puts on sick week. Um, you look at those events and like, they're sold out. They sell out in minutes and it's just, it's hard to get into them at this point. And I will be at most of them with the 55. We've got, I think, three to four more coming up with the 55 this year. So we're just getting started with that. Uh, we've got testing coming up. I think those events are great because it allows people to like enter without, you know, they can enter with their daily driver technically and go out and have a good time and then grow to love it and then grow their cars and their stuff from there. Um, and so it allows, like, it's a very welcoming group and it's great for spectators because there's some kind of weird something happening at every corner of the track you know whether it be a random combination somebody got their transmission out on a picnic table like there's so much stuff happening um so those events and then they're great for the storytelling side as well there's always stuff happening with that so we'll definitely be at drag and drive dad and i are guilty of definitely talking about building another car you know for it um at some point just because we're like okay well once we hit the stuff with the 55 like what do we want to do next with it um, and so, you know, we've looked at different options for that and, um, we'll definitely stay with it for, you know, a while longer. And then we've got the stuff with the pro mod, the bumblebee car coming up too. So lots of stuff. I'm curious, like if you won the lottery and you and your pops could do whatever you wanted, what, what would you do? <laughs> um, we'd probably, oh man, that's a hard one. Definitely. And as far as like car goes. Yeah. Racing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to build a five-second street ball. I want to compete with, like, Bailey and Schroeder in them. Like, I I want to uh, build a car that's capable of doing that and, you know, crossing over to a couple different areas of racing as well. So that's that's what I'd like to do. So what do you – do you think that there is a, a strong future for that unlimited category? I mean, we saw, like, the kind of heavy, st- you know, steel roof and quarters. That seems to be a strong – uh, but we were talking about this while we were down there. What's a guy, you know, how do we get that 
Larry Larson, Jeff Lutz, all these different guys and gals back doing battle in that deal. I mean, even if it's six or eight cars, I think it would, it seems to me like it has the potential to carry the deal and, and create year long news and year long interest. It's, uh, that's a difficult question. Cause like you don't see a lot of new entries into that class mm -hmm. necessarily. It's just, those are expensive and hard cars to build just because like, it's one thing to build, you know, a car that goes fast. It's another thing to build a car that goes fast and moves for as long as it does. And so um, that's, it's difficult, but on the flip side, I think like sixes are the new eights. It seems like people are running <laughs> yep. sixes like crazy. And so um <clears throat> I mean, I think naturally stuff is going to speed up. And so that may end up putting more classes in that unlimited category. I don't know how to get people over there. So to say, you know, I don't have an answer. Do you think that, all these but... new opportunities to race is going to help Alex? Like, um, like Tom Bailey prior to, I mean, I'm not saying exclusively, but he would historically, if you built a car like that, you'd run one race. Right? right now it would appear that there is an opportunity to race four or five times a year with that type of car. More, Maybe right? that's going to help or more, right? Maybe that's yeah. going to help, you know? I, I think that stuff does help for sure. Because at this point, you know, there's basically a series of drag and drive, like five drag and drive a year is a lot of wear and tear. That's hard to keep a car going um, for that much. So I think now that there is more opportunities for that and you see most of those races crossing over using the same rule set. So you're not, you know, having to tweak right. stuff this race to that, I think that's going to open up stuff. I think, you know, maybe at some point, you know, it did become not a series, but where stuff is, uh, you know, there's a little competition with it. There's always that. And Bailey has his new shootout events with those cars that go compete there. So there's opening up more opportunity for those cars. And hopefully that does, um, you know, get people to come invest into that. Grand slam of drag and drive. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but I do think it's like that being able to make, to like get your money's worth out of your investment. I really do think it's important. Like that's, I think about cars like the Bumblebee Camaro. Um, a lot of those radial, you know, the RVW cars, I look at those as like purpose or excuse me, multi-purpose door cars. You can mm -hmm. run that car, you can change four link, take the wheelie bars off, put radials on it, go run RVW at, you know, this series. You can go run No, Mer or no Mercy Lights Out in the Sweet 16, some of the big money races, the big prestige races. But then you can also change the four link, change shocks, put wheelie bars on it and a set of big old tires and go run PDRA or go run Midwest or go yeah. run wherever. Right. So it's just a car. It's a combination you can get a lot of mileage out of, you know, and that's I'm hoping right. that's what we see happen in, in the drag and drive scene, specifically the unlimited category, because that's all we're all that deals missing, in my opinion, from being amongst the biggest things in drag racing is three, four, five superstar personalities yourself tom bailey schroeder you know a handful more and all of a sudden it becomes i mean i think it would have a more maybe underground hardcore following than like no prep kings and street outlaws but right. i think it could be that big in a hurry i really do get the if they get it. the lutz larson uh, rivalry going again i mean that was pretty That'd big, be big. One, at one point you know yep. that's still yep. a pretty tense rivalry oh yeah <laughs> yeah man it really is it, but it's a cool thing to see and it, it's nice to know like people take this stuff really seriously and it's i'm hoping that with the advent of more of these events and i don't know how many i think we will hit like critical mass at some point when the industry can't really support much more of it but right now it feels really good what do you make of 
and we, I appreciate you being so generous with your time, Alex. Thank you very much. Um, the, the other thing I was going to ask you, one of the conversations your dad and I had while we were uh, with sick on sick week with you guys, and I haven't had a chance to publicly thank you for letting us be a part of that. We like we hopped in yeah, and nice. we basically followed along and got to play lead car <laughs> they, for a they while. Felt sorry for you after me and JT left. Yeah, that's yeah. probably true. <laughs> they, need, they needed somebody <laughs> to take them in. Chaperones. We had a ball. Like, we were like, please, Wes, lead us because you've got headlights. We have barely, we don't even have wipers here. So. Oh, I just, I love having like a dog in the fight, right? Like I just want to have a, a horse, you know, that's, I want to be involved with something. So I appreciate it. Genuinely, we had a blast and I can't wait to do it's it again. Um, right up until he blew his arm out. Yeah, I, I started. You're like, where did Wes go? <laughs> yeah, where Wes went to the hospital is where Wes went. Oh my goodness, what a deal! I'm actually I started physical therapy yesterday, and uh, it's hurt. It hasn't hurt this bad since it happened. I would tell you, I was sitting next to Joe Barry's car, and I yanked that tire off, and I didn't give up. I felt it snap, and I go, "Oh no!" And I thought I about passed out, but then I thought, "Well, I got to get this tire off." So I wrestle this tire off and I look over at your dad and I go, hey, you're probably going to have to do the other side. And he's like, okay, you're all right. And he went around. I handed him the, the torque wrench or not the torque, the impact. And he went around to the other side of the car and I walked over to Nate and I said, hey, man, I think you need to take me to the hospital. <laughs> and I never said, I never saw anybody again. We were gone. You know? I was like, where did he go? Yeah, I felt horrible. But anyways, um, you're, one of the things your dad said to me when we were walking to that restaurant um, there on the water, cool place. I can't remember what it was called. But he said to me, he goes, man, I would be bored out of my mind. Like if I'm going to build something like this, I want to fight it. Like I want to drive it down the road. I want to work on it. I want to you know, I want to use this thing all week long. He was, I can't imagine like going pro stock racing or pro mod racing and just being in the car for five or six seconds. Like I want to have it and enjoy it. So comparing and contrasting those two things, like you basically live in that 55 Chevy for a week. How's that compared to crawling in and out of that yellow Camaro for three, four seconds at a time? I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a much different relationship with the car. It is so weird. Like the 55 is like, I know it like the back of my hand. Like I, I joke, it sounds like, sounds goofy, but I'm like, 55 is my best friend. Like I know yeah, it, you I know, and like learning this, learning this, this yellow car has been a, it's been different. And um, I'm finally starting to feel good with it, but it's not like you have that time where you drive it and you cruise it and you, you just learn so much about the car, right. how it handles, how it reacts. Um, even on the street, you know, that translates over to the track. You just, you know more about it. Um, and this car, it's like, I just got in it and I sat in it for like two hours and just like, you know, I wasn't driving it, but I'm like, I need to know, I need to know where stuff is. I need to be comfortable with it, but it's definitely different. Like you definitely have a different relationship with it. Um, and you, you understand the car differently, but I did get in no joke. And like Patrick was asking me, before we left, he's like, what else do I need to change? I'm like, please add like a spot for me to stick my cell phone. I need a cell phone pocket. <laughs> like in a 55, I got cup holders. I got, you know, um, cell That's phone awesome. charges. I got all this stuff. And so he did, he added it to the list. He's like, there is now a pocket for your cell phone because we do live in the 55. There's stuff like, you know, snacks. I got chapstick that perpetually stays in the 55. What like, were those things? Those spicy peanut thing. What were those thingies? They are so good. They're Japanese wasabi peanuts. And I Unbelievable. have Nolan, Nolan sent me like 12 bags of them. It's great. Nolan from Iski's <laughs> got the hookup. He's the plug on uh, wasabi. What are they called? Wasabi Japanese peanuts. I think okay, they're awesome. Sounds, sounds good. No, they are really good. Yeah. We I'm, were writing, at, I'm writing it down. 
Yeah, go. You gotta. You probably have to find them on eBay. Oh, I don't I'm know that it's right. He's a West. snack connoisseur. I know. I'm surprised West didn't have like a truckload show up. If, if, if he likes the candy, like uh, he orders a case of it. <laughs> I'm really bad about that. You Anything are. I like, I try to buy it via pallet. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I can just buy stock in this. Yeah. yeah what if we could buy the company? Yeah. Yeah. This I've tried really to buy good. like yeah. a pallet of Sour Patch Kids. I mean, I'm, do you guys know that Sour Patch Kids are now available bags full of just single flavors like you can go buy blue raspberry sour patch kids none of that other stuff none of those we've other seen, we've seen y'all uh yeah. do some major damage at gas station candy aisles so i'm sure you got that coming. jt how many condiments are in your desk drawer right now I guarantee you've got ranch <laughs> honey mustard i've got like three drawers full yeah <laughs> i threw out all my pins and tablets and everything and just build them up with the condiments yeah jt's big on condiments i'm big on snacks and candy he's big on condiments okay well we lost alex it looks like um which was i was just getting ready to tell her goodbye anyways so yeah that was rude. hold on that was rude i didn't kick her or anything now we've got a, like a spinning circle of death here i think <laughs> i, I think i'm back I think hey I'm back. alex I'm back. yeah Thank you. Hey, shout out. Look at Holly right on top of your face. Great Boom. sponsor plug Perfect. right here. You're a Holly <laughs> and you're wearing a peak shirt. I mean, we got all sorts of know, sponsor hookups right here. Well, hey, tell everybody in the car. Hello. And thank you for sitting on the side of the road and talking to us for an hour. We genuinely appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. Be careful um, and uh, bl blow them away this weekend, man. We're excited to watch. We'll be paying thank attention. Thanks. See you guys. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Alex. See ya. Seriously, try to order those wasabi peanut deals. I forgot about those. <laughs> fine, JT. fine with fine, these. Are. I've had those, those before. They're they're really good. I, and like I think you can even get them type. like those little, you know, like the crispy corn nut things. That's they, they serve you these on planes now a lot too. You can get corn those nuts? wasabi oh, yeah. corn nuts. I really, yeah, I like corn nuts. Yeah, I they're okay. I think they're just okay. Um, well, hey guys, let's pay some bills here real quick. I've got. Uh, Maybe not. I just want to remind yeah. everybody that the West Buck Show is brought to you each and every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time by our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety products from drag chutes and seatbelts to fire suits, gloves and blankets, all 100% made in America. Log on to stroudsafety.com slash Wes to uh, get a special offers and let them know that you, uh, you're there by way of us, the gang here at Drag Illustrated. We appreciate those guys. Tommy Cunningham, Anita, everybody up there in Oklahoma City. I also want to remind you that the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about our buddies at Redline. Log on to redlineoil.com for more information. Guys, uh, we, we still got a ton of drag racing stuff to cover, but I believe we already have our next guest in the green room. So let's, uh, let's dive right into it, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to expect a big round of applause from you guys. Man, th dude, this, this guy, guy basically th owned PDRA Pro Nitrous. Yeah, he won every single event in 2014, I'm pretty sure it was the year, right? Yeah, pretty. Undefeated. I think it was twenty four. I remember when we put him on the cover of the magazine. What year? I'm a Jason, big Jason, Jason has to tell us. I forget. Jason's going to have to tell us. We need a. We need like intro music, like walk walk in music. Yeah. I wonder what Jason know. Harris is walking. What's I think party it'd be, time? You know, party party time. time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Seems like it'd be some kind of Hank Williams song or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, let's he's... find out. Let's okay. Find well, out. hey, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, star of PDRA Pro Nitrous, one of my favorite guys, a great interview, the one and only Jason Harris. Give it up. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. What's up, buddy? <laughs> What's up? Nothing much. Not much. Well, what uh, year? What year was it that you dominated PDRA Pro Nitrous? It was so long ago. It was uh, 2014. Yeah. There oh, we go. Yeah, See, man, undefeated. Just call me Brett Kepner Jr. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to every final. I lost two races. I had a burnt piston and ran okay. Lizzie. And every then, final. Uh, Close and enough. then Tom, Tommy got me one time. So, yeah. What was, uh, what was your yeah. walk-in or – yeah, walk-in music, is that what they call it? I think they call it walk-out music because you're walking out of the locker room. Okay, walk-out music. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Uh, what, would, what would it be? Like, if you had to pick one song, uh, God, get you struggle. pumped up. I don't know. I mean, you I, don't have I, I like I like all genres of music. So I mean, I would just I would have to say uh, walk it like I talk it from Mingos. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> What'd you say? Walk it like I talk That's it good from one, Mingos. Man. Good That's for you. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. That's not at all what I expected him to no, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm writing right that now. down to Google it too. <laughs> yeah, Google it. Uh, you don't know that song? You know that song. Oh, that's if a good jam. It, He's would, got that song in his workout music or something. <laughs> yeah, you have that, to. That song came out when my son was like two, and he he learned the dance and did the dance. I've got video of it, man. It's it's classic. A little CC. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, get this, Jason. Uh, Mike's dad sold his race car today. No way. And it yeah. might be it might be the coming. Chef, no, the Camaro. The, the Camaro. Right? It might be it might be coming your way up there to Piedmont Dragway. Really? That's the word on the street. He might be saying that. Street is, it's going to go big dog. There's going to be a yellow Camaro going big dog racing. Well, come on. Yeah. Well, come on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, we it's wanted to talk. The reason I reached out to you um, earlier this week, I just wanted to touch base, man. And, and I've already said this to you, Jason, but I think it's worth repeating like publicly is, and we can talk about a lot of different stuff with you. You've got a lot of experience in different types of racing. Uh, <clears throat> but big dog, the big dog shootout, the legendary big dog shootout at Piedmont Dragway in North Carolina, that event is near and dear to my heart. That racing series for a lot of different reasons, like there would probably be no drag illustrated if it wasn't for races like that. I remember growing up buying VHS tapes from those races from Scott Caudill and watching them. And, and watching all these heroes of mine, Rick Moore, Todd Tuttero, I mean, the list goes on. All these guys that were going out there and racing in those series, and I knew that they weren't getting, you know, National Dragster is not going to cover that type of stuff, right? A lot of the other drag racing outlets didn't even know it was happening. And I thought, this is like some of the best racing in the country. It's happening on a Thursday night. There's all this local following, crazy fanfare. I mean, what does big dog drag racing mean to you? Like tabling anything that's gone on or what's going on right now, what is that series meant to drag racing, especially out in your neck of the woods? I mean, how many people have started there, careers started there? I mean, back in the original days, you know, like the days you were talking about it, you're talking about a local guys, and we've got such a conglomerate of local guys that got together, and we started a series that started with back half cars, and it went from six-second cars to five-second cars to four-second cars, and you know, on a nightly basis, this Thursday night deal just grew into this national phenomenon because we had stars like, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind saying this. I don't think Todd Tuttero would be where he's at today if it wasn't for Big Dog because he literally got started at Thursday night on uh, on Big Dog because somebody 
built a car and wanted him to tune it and wanted him to drive it. And, and he kind of progressed from the nitrous to the blower deal. I mean, it's just unbelievable the amount of talent that's come through there. I mean, Jay Cox started with Renegade, which was the class below Big Dog. Uh, there's just so many things. Dwayne Silas, one of the best top sportsman racers that ever lived, he he's tried to come down because he was running the Power Glide War stuff and tried to run at Big Dog on this DOT tire that we had because he was dominating uh, Power Glide stuff at that time uh, here in North Carolina. And he really just could not handle the pressure and the DOT tire and the things that it took to run at Piedmont Dragway. So, so much talent has come out of Big Dog that a lot of people don't. Travis Harvey, I mean, there's just so many of uh, Tony Wilson's tried it. There's been a lot of big name cars. I, I even think maybe Charles has come down and tried it one time or two. Uh, if not, he ran when we ran the Power Jam. We run the Pro Mods and the uh, the Big Dog together. We used to call it the Power Jam. Yeah, yeah. the awesome. thing. Yeah, and, and I don't think a lot of drivers would be where they were at today if it wasn't for Big Dog. And I don't think uh, Big Dog would be where it's at if it wasn't for. Uh, you know, Van Abernathy and Mike and you guys covering the local series like it was. I mean, it just – I know that's the first time I ever got in a magazine. It wasn't for anything else other than just being that big dog on a Thursday night. And it went it, – this thing has progressed so fast over, you know, the last 20 years that uh, we're kind of at a point now where we've got to we've got to change something or we've got to move around or it needs to come back to where it was at. What do you think? I mean, we've you made a great point just talking about how this has escalated, right? Yep. Six second, five second, four second. Now we're talking 370 cars. Uh, you went 378, 200 something this past weekend out there. A, that is bananas to be doing at Piedmont Dragway. Do you think that there, is there a point Absolutely. of no return as far as the performance goes? Like, do you think that that has. Because, I mean, I guess the big hubbub over the course of the last couple of weeks has just been trying to get the car count up. There, there were some off-season rule changes made, hoping to bolster the car count, made some moves at the last minute, kind of turned some people away. And you, your dad, and a handful of the other racers that care about this series and want to see it you know, continue and thrive, get back to where maybe it once was, do you think that kind of getting the cars, pulling them back a little bit performance-wise and not running – you know, not having cars that are capable of running in the 60s or at least the low 70s, maybe that's not what it's for. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Big Dog has kind of been what I, I like a working class. If there's such a thing as working right. class pro, pro racing, uh, I mean, obviously there's money involved and money is always going to sure. shine. So, but I also think it's hard to say that because I, I really think Piedmont is a 380 track. I mean, 380s, you can run that comfortable, no problem, as long as there's not an issue. Define comfortable. A <laughs> <laughs> because that's, but that, that goes, that's a big part of what we're talking about, what makes that show, is that track and that intimate facility. I mean, it's narrow. It's narrow, it's short. It's short. Yeah. The, the grass growing up along the sides. There's right grass on the sides. The, the, the uh, stands are like three feet off the guardrail. I mean, and it's, it's a real intense environment. But that's that's eighth mile pro mod racing to me. And yeah. that's something that we've lost is really one of the last places where you get that feeling. Yeah. And me and you grew up experiencing yeah. that. I, I mean, I can remember going to Shuffletown, you know. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and that's what pro mod started. Top sportsman guys. Hey, I got something faster than you. And that's how pro mod got started. And, and Big Dog kind of came along in that era when pro mod was I would say pro mod was at its peak. The right. Scotty Cannon eras and things like well, uh, not the peak, but at the the, the crest. Yeah, but, it was a big moment. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and this was basically what I would call little guys pro mod, and 
it Piedmont is very special. It, it is very tight. It's very narrow. Uh, it is not the longest place in the world, but for 380s at 200, it is. And if you have a problem, a chute doesn't deploy or you get it bouncing or something like that, you're going to have an issue. Uh, and it's not for an experienced driver. But that being said, I've, I had a crash there. I had a crash there in 09 uh, in Big Dog um, at Power Jam when I was first learning how to drive, and I pushed it too far and just whacked the wall and ended up turning upside down. So, I mean, I know firsthand what it takes to do the wrong thing and the right thing at Piedmont. Uh, you know, if what if we slow top fuel down? What if we slow top fuel down to where they can't go 200 and, or 300? Now they can go 275. The excitement's kind of gone. I mean, right. I mean, I think there's are. a window like I, I agree with what you're saying. It's but there's I think there's a balancing act because I mean, like some of my favorite moments that I think were in things were really exciting for like, I think about the height of ADRL Pro Nitrous. Yeah. Those cars are running four O's and you can't really tell me that that shows wasn't exciting. It was I mean, it was it was badass. Right. I mean, I think you're right on the top fuel thing. We go taking those cars from running 340 almost to running 280 no bueno that's not going to work but it's about I do. the show it's about the the show it is about the and show, how yeah. how much other stuff you add to that and that's what big dogs got also is you got the the crowd the dedicated hardcore crowd they're betting on everybody they're they're riding with every one of those cars that goes down through there um and just the dedication that facility has to running that that series and those guys putting on a show and i mean i think that that no matter what the ETs are, I think when 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 these things were running four O's, four teens, four twenties, the show was just as good because that's what the people came to see. So I, I I agree with you that there is a balance that has to be struck between that and between performance and the show. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I would like to see it stay in that three eighty range. I mean, obviously I went three seventy eight the other night and it was a newer car. I didn't really know how far we could go. I mean, obviously I, I wanted to run. I want to go as fast as I can, I can go, but also I want to find a balancing act that can help the class. It's not going to deter somebody from coming out on somebody who like bought your dad's car, for example, uh, you know, they want to come out there and they want to race and be competitive. If, if you get a pro level, like you got me and Todd, Todd's not driving, but Todd's tuning. And, you know, there's a lot of other guys that come out there that are professional drag racers. Unfortunately, though, the area we live in, we have a lot of badass <laughs> yeah. pro mod drivers. I think, yeah, I think people, they just, we yeah. produce professional pro mod drivers every day in North Carolina. <laughs> it we is. Do. But, and I think that that's probably one of the biggest like mysteries left to solve in drag racing. That'll probably never be solved is how do you, because I've seen it time and time again, where you give a great racer junk equipment and he's still going to find a way to win with it. But you can give a bad racer the best shit in the world and they probably ain't going to be able to qualify it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I've seen guys like Todd Tuttero prove that infinitely that they can have, you know, the lesser stuff or they can have the rules stacked against them. The cream rises to the top. The best racers are going to be the best racers. And that's a very difficult thing to police, right? I mean, how do you, especially guys like you that make a zillion runs, how does it, how do you make that fair for the guy that sees the tree three times a month, yeah. right? The two qualifying sessions and first round of big dog, you know what I mean? Versus you, who's probably, you racing an S10 and some no prep deal or whatever and racing that, you know what I'm saying? You're driving a zillion cars yeah. that it's really hard to make it even look fair. You know what I mean? With somebody like yeah. you or Todd, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I think that's what's made Big Dog special because I agree. You know, the guy got into finals with me the other night. I mean, 
he they worked their butt off. They had the transmission out and apart like ten times that day trying to get it going. And that's the dedication that, that you need for big dog. And, and the poor kid, you know, he did everything he could to try to run and he got lucky and he got in the finals and he just he could have just as well beaten. I only went four thirty in the finals because the track got a little iffy up top. So I mean he could have just put down a, a four fifteen and beat him. So I mean th- there's the deciding factor. And in drag racing anything can happen. So I've seen, yep. I've beat the best. I've been beat by the best. I've been beat by the worst. So, I mean, when you put that many, when you put a lot of runs together, like, like we do, me and Todd, you, you're going to see the ups and the downs of drag racing. And big Piedmont has always been the deciding factor was a, was the DOT tire when we ran those, Well, they don't make it anymore. So we kind of had to get away from that, but it's been the track, the amount of time you have between rounds. Cause you only get 15 minutes between rounds. So, I mean, burning your stuff up to go, Right, you know, three sixty is not an option, and you know it's it's there's a lot of stuff that's made Piedmont great, and we want to keep it alive. So we want to get the cars in, and we want to kind of police it. So we cut together some rules and stuff that we think is is pretty fair, uh, and we had a bad show on the other night with four cars. We still had a thousand people on NC Pro Motors watching the live feed. And oh, yeah, and probably 2,000 people in the stands, from what yeah. I was told. It was 1,500, I think, in the stands, okay. you know, on a Thursday night uh, in the middle of April in Greensboro, you know. And still, well, real quick, all- Jason, for the people yeah. that don't know, and I, it's, I'm bad about this. I've been following Big Dog for since it started, uh, but I, I recognize that not everybody does. The unique format of Big Dog, for those that don't know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it to you here in just a second. So I'll set this stage in that this happens during the race season at, once a month. One, what is it, the first Thursday night of the month or That's something like that? Yeah. The yeah. first Thursday night of the month is the Big Dog Shootout at Piedmont Dragway. For those that don't know, I would encourage you to look it up. There's articles on Comp Plus, on DragIllustrated.com. Uh, a bunch of different websites have covered this deal. They used to have a great origin story on the website of how this whole thing, your dad had a hand in it, um, bringing this whole thing to be. And it became something of a local phenomenon where I remember in the early days of the magazine, I would call and um, Rod Houck and a handful of these guys that I would call and do interviews with, Todd, um, your dad, I mean, various people, they would tell me, Wes, people are talking about this deal Friday morning at the local coffee shops. I mean, what happened at the racetrack Thursday night trickled, you know, it it flowed, overflowed into the local community. You know, the flags were flying. It was Ford versus Chevy versus Dodge. There was these brand wars. There were the superhero cars. The one car is painted like the Hulk, that 57 Chevy, um, you know, that one car is Spider-Man. I mean, and yep. so on and so forth. Superman. They had all these Superman cars. Um, there was all these different kind of characters on display. And, and at one point, community. at one point, you even had Pat Musi and the and uh, D'Antoni, Mark and D'Antoni, the, the big, yeah. the big show, the, the North South deal. I mean, that was really like the culmination of that deal. That was probably one of the greatest drag races that's ever happened, yeah. in my opinion, especially like outlaw eighth mile races. But so this deal goes on the first Thursday night of every month. But Jason, would you take people through like the the kind of how the you were talking about fifteen minutes between round? Like, what's the race look like whenever it happens? You roll roll through the game gates and when you roll through the gates you know you get there you have to get there about 12 o'clock we do a two o'clock shakedown uh and we used to not do a two o'clock shakedown we had so many cars that we didn't have time by the time we did a two o'clock shakedown it was time to qualify uh you get a two o'clock shakedown uh then we start qualifying around 5 5 36 somewhere in there depending on uh time and weather of the year and you pretty much get two qualifiers and you go into an eight car elimination round you know uh first versus eight and we, you just battle it out 
uh, I mean, you got to run. You only hit two qualifiers. So if, if you get a shakedown in two qualifiers, if you miss a, a bad shakedown or you have a bad qualifying round, you can get knocked out pretty quick. Or you get and, – and Piedmont's been notorious for a one-lane racetrack at times. Sometimes the right lane's good. Sometimes the left lane's good. And so if you get thrown out of lane, you can be the fast car there. But if you have a bad shakedown or you have a bad qualifying, you get moved out of your lane and your night's over with. And you literally have 15 minutes from the time you run to get back to get your car serviced back up there and get back for the next round. And that's what makes it exciting because I think you, you can't go out there and pull the mustard out and just go as fast as you can and burn it up. And just, you know, you got 45 minutes, an hour to put pistons in, things like that. You can't do that. You, you've got to use your head, race smart, race the racetrack. And not only that, you've got people, thousands of people coming in throughout the night that are coming up to you and you're literally pitted in the stands. The stands are 50 feet from, from the trailers and they're in your, you know, they're in your crew. There's cars going up and down. It, it's a party. It's a race. It, it, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, <laughs> there's been many times we used to have police escorts oh, yeah. from, from the finish line to your trailer. So really? if you, once you pulled your chute, the police escort would escort you back to your trailer and put you back in your trailer. And we had to, just have to clear the crowd, just to clear right. the crowd to get through there. Cause it is super tight. I mean, the whole facility there, there's not a room, no room to breathe there for sure. But that's what yeah. adds to it. That's what makes it special in my opinion. It does. And, and I grew up watching it. I, I worked it. I raced it. I saw it and I've seen the culmination of what it is. And I will be the first one to tell you, nobody knows Jason Harris pro nitrous racer. They could care less if I was a world champion, uh, uh, but they know, oh, you race big dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, You know, I see them. They're like, oh, what kind of car you got? Oh, I got a pro mod. Uh, okay. I'll run big dog. Oh, you run big dog? They, they don't <laughs> I mean, I got goosebumps. That says, and I just that think that right is there, awesome man. to me. And I wish yeah. there's a lot of lessons in that, in my opinion. Do you think drag racing as a whole could benefit from that approach where it's like, you, you don't have to, like, I remember Don Garlitz, that was one of his claims to fame is that he thought you should have to race the engine you qualified with. Like, we've got to get rid of this mindset that exists of just blowing the shit up and burning it up every time you let off the, you know, whatever time you hit the gas. Because that, to me, that quick turn, and I get it's not for everybody, and that's a high-pressure environment, but man, I really think that could solve some, many of the issues our sport is facing if we just picked up the pace a little bit and, really and, and took that time away because if racers didn't have the time, I mean, the only reason they're, they're towing into those uncharted waters tune-up wise is because they know they got time to fix it and they've got spares. If you eliminate and, that. And, and that the track is on kill and it's yeah. as wide yeah. and as long yeah. as they could, as they can stand. And if you take away all those things, you've got the makings for a better show. Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I mean, obviously, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't want to see anybody tear their junk up. But you got to use that in your mindset. If you go out there and you think you're going to lock it up and carry the front wheels 300, 400 foot. I mean, Chris Rennie tried it last year there, and it was a, I mean, it was a lot of trouble. He aborted a lot of runs because it's just it's sketchy. I mean, that's the only thing you can say for it. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, I would like to see a lot of organizations do that. I would like to see organizations where you can't pull. We have a new rule in Piedmont where you can't pull the head during a round. Let's just say you are fast and you do burn up a piston. Once you start qualifying, you cannot pull the head. It's <laughs> over. You, you got to race wow. it like it is. And that's going to keep guys from doing it. Now, you know, is that fair? 
if you make a mistake, no, but I mean, that's just kind of the price you pay. And, and you know, we've tried different levels of, of uh, Piedmont. We've tried drawing out of a hat where, you know, you don't know who you're going to get. Uh, that was pretty fun. We've tried different things at Piedmont to make it successful. And, you know, P- drag racing right now is at a turnaround. Is at a turning point. I mean, where are we at right now? You know, we're, we're, we're kind of losing the, the scope of everything because we've either priced ourselves out or, or we've become an organization or a, a sport that's, that's all about money and not about talent anymore because money can buy you a lot of things and it can buy you some round wins, but sometimes talent's going to rise to the cream of cop, but not always. I know, I know you said, you know, Wes, that, you know, the best, yeah, driver, yeah. yeah, the best driver cannot always win, even if he's got a piece of junk, but you see guys that, that would spend millions of dollars to come out and run PDRA. And I mean, some of them, they still can't run and, but they're going to win eventually. And I would like to see some other organizations do what, what Piedmont has done, put the pressure on these guys not to make just glory calls. Maybe it's great for the spectator as well, you know, watching the race. That way we don't see tractor races all day. You know, yeah, I, mean, right. I don't want to. <laughs> I get sick and tired of seeing. Oh, it's, it's awful doing. to watch. You know, it really. Yeah, is. yeah. We well, enjoy it because we're drag racing fans, so we can go off and we know what time. It, but think about the average guy. Think about the guy you're trying to get, like the guys in my shop here, dude. They they text me, "What time are you going to run?" They're not watching anything else because they don't want to see it. And I mean, I I just feel like right now, drag racing is at a cultivating moment where we could change stuff or we're going to lose it. Yeah, I think the simplest way to say it, I mean, that was perfect how you said it, but perfect. the cars are too fast. The cars are too fast, and we're too focused on making these cars too fast. And I think pulling them back a little bit would help so many ways, but that's easier said than done. That's kind of the constant battle we're facing. It, I feel like we, as drag racers, like as a community, we really struggle to, to shake off like our land speed racing roots. You know what I mean? Like drag racing's roots are in land speed racing, right? I mean, it's in dry lake beds in Southern California and that's all well and good, but sometimes we've let this constant evolution, this constant escalation where we always want to go faster. We always going to want to go faster, get in the way of what has been our bread and butter, putting on awesome side-by-side races. The cars have to be fast. They can't be minivans, right? But, yeah. but you may We're not. way you past that. You may not try to every, we, we just said that. We just said to... how we just how sixes are the new eights, right? I mean, every car out there is fast these days is what it seems like. It, it really I mean, is. You wouldn't try to set a record every time you go out. You it, know? It gets... and, 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 then, and then there's so many qualifiers at some of these races that, hey, I know I can miss a couple. You know, well, I mean, I mean, and it's yeah. like some of these, yeah, I remember there was a time not too long ago where, you know, Donald Long may as well have not put on a race if there wasn't a world record set. Like people were up in arms if there wasn't a new record. The round wins. They didn't yeah. care about winning races. Everybody went to those events just looking to hit the long ball. And that's great. But man, this is drag racing. It's not land speed racing. And I think that, you know, big dog, those events became what they are. And that series became what it is today still because they were more focused on the racing. Like, hey, let's get side-by-side drag racing that's close. We've got a great venue for it. Let's keep the show going. That deal was built to serve the spectators as as much or more so than the racers. I'm curious, do you... So, like, you roll up... I'm just curious, like, your personal opinion on this situation, Jason. Like, you roll up and for whatever, and you're in the bad lane. Like, is that not part of the drag racing experience? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, don't you think that, I mean, I know everybody hates that and they want the track to be on kill all the time and they want it to be perfect, but man, isn't that part of this whole sweet science, right? Uh, You've got to, you've got to race the racetrack. I don't, if it's always perfect and it's always kill, 
the guy, the rich guys you're talking about, more often than not, they're going to be able to out money the the maybe better racers that that have more experience, the the Jason Scruggs that have raced on every nitty gritty eighth mile on the planet, right? I mean, you kind of negate his advantage when the track's perfect. That can you know everything's perfect. Right, right. And, and that's a good example. I mean, you take Jason Scroats, who grew up in Mississippi on these small tracks, and I've seen him touch both lines and still go 360. Uh, you know, these guys uh, that start start this, when you get in this racetrack, and if you come to Piedmont, you'll understand. And, and guys have been to Piedmont. Tommy Franklin's been to Piedmont. Randy Weatherford's been to Piedmont. Uh, Todd, Cam Clark, Jay, all these guys have been to Piedmont. They'll tell you. There's a reason why we don't go there and test because it is a sketchy, not a sketchy <laughs> surface, but it's just a sketchy facility. But it's still capable of being safe as long as you're within a certain realm. I mean, you know, you go back to saying like Donald stuff and RVW. I respect RVW guys to the fullest, but when you got to have the racetrack meets your tune up, there's there's an issue. I mean, you know, they 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 got to have a glued up racetrack to set a record. I mean, where it's just absolutely unstoppable and the best racetrack you've ever seen. But then first round comes around, you know, on Sunday morning when it's a 110 track and every one of them's blowing the tires off. So I mean, there's there's fine lines between what's raceable and what's not. And Piedmont's still a raceable surface, and I feel like Big Dog, with the right amount of rule changes and the right amount of uh, of camaraderie and stuff that we get if we can get some parody and stuff going on then it can survive what we've got it's just right now we're in a sticky situation where we need to get some cars and we need to get and, and we just we need to address the rules that we have based off the cars that we have and if we can sit in a room as a grown adults and not try to make our one combination uh you know better then the next combination, then I think we can save. You know, we talk about rules, uh, record set. And I was just sitting here thinking about when you guys were talking about setting records. Uh, there's no scoreboards at No Prep Kings, and they still pack the house because it's television and the way it is and what yep. kind, type of racing it is. So those, they have no idea. With it. Even the, the guys, I, I'm assuming the guys that run there, they don't know what they run. No. So, <laughs> so they have VPSs. They're just guessing. You know, so – Maybe maybe we're looking at the wrong side of, of drag racing. Maybe we need to get back to the, like you say, the grassroots where that's why I put a challenge up. I challenged anybody. Anybody that can set or meet big dog rules as they are right now that can come down there and beat me, Cam, Barry Mitchell, even Brian Schrader, he wasn't there. If he can beat one of those legit um, big dog guys, I'll put up a 1000 bucks that you can't do it. You can't bring your car there and do it. And if you can – you know, there it is. I mean, I'm putting the call out out there. Jay Cox was there the other day. He was at the race. He didn't have his car there. Granted, we got PDRA coming up. He only has one car. I mean, it's it'd be tough to to turn around and get ready. Well, for I hope it. I hope Jay ain't yellow. The car's orange. I hope he ain't got a yellow streak. <laughs> Golly, I hope he shows up. He was there. He was there. And he he needs to bring that. He needs to bring uh -oh. that stacker trailer and unroll, unload the pumpkin <laughs> and and get him a bite, man. I mean, I'm telling you that type of racing, in my opinion is what our sport needs. I get wound up about this stuff like a yeah. physical woodpecker because I just think that that's the, that's the, that energy on a Thursday night, this could be happening at tracks across the country, right? I mean, this is, I think this is a model 
that could be followed by other tracks because there are there's a world there's a there are guys obviously that can commit to a touring series and commit to traveling around the country right and racing pro nitrous i mean it's obviously an east coast deal but there's still a lot of travel involved in pdra racing and midwest drag racing series and nmca there's a lot of running around if you're going to chase the points and to think about i mean barry mitchell's a prime example He's probably, I mean, obviously the resources to race likely at whatever level he would want, but he's, that's something that's manageable. It's in his backyard. It's a couple miles from the house. You, you can, you don't have to have 700 people involved. You don't have to have an engine shop behind you, right? I mean, you don't, it's more of an attainable thing. And if we can, like you said, Jason, get everybody fired up about this deal, kind of rally the troops a little bit. This is a great recipe. This deal has stood the test of time, and I, there's no doubt that it's had its ebbs and flows, just like everything else in drag racing, just like everything else in the world. But I believe that formula is is the right formula. It is the direction our sport needs to head because the more land speed racing we do, the more chasing the best ever track conditions, it doesn't matter unless it's a world record uh, none of that matters, man. Let's go drag racing, right? Let's make this about wins and losses. And I just really think it's an important, it's a big part of drag racing, the big dog shootout. I think it it's an unsung hero in our sport. And it's something that I want to see succeed, man. I really do. And I appreciate you being willing to talk about it because this is, I mean, especially out on the East Coast, this deal is awesome. Mike, I think is the next race May 5th. Is that yeah. what Lance was just Cinco saying? Cinco de Mayo, man. I'll be there. I'm going to be there. I'm, I think I'm going to come. I'm going to come out yep. too. Um, I've actually got, I, I got uh, a guy plays on, uh, his son plays on my, my son's baseball team, drag racing fan. And he was talking about going to Z max this weekend to or next weekend to see pro mods. And I think I've successfully got him talked into holding off. We're going to go to big dog. He's wanting to show his, he's wanting to show his son some of this stuff that he saw growing up. And I said, man, if you want to get that experience, we need to go to big dog because yeah. you're, you're going to get, I mean, four wide top fuel, funny car. That's one thing. Kids are going to love that. But man, you want to really see what this, what this door car, this, uh, you can ride on the wing at Jason's car. At yeah, yeah, if right. you want yeah, you you the wheelie bars, right? this good you know old, I mean? uh, Southern eighth mile door car racing, man. That's a, that's, the deal at Piedmont, especially since we've lost like the quick eight racers association yeah. and a lot of these other Carolina extreme pro mod, a lot of these other deals that we used to run around this area, that's the last, the last beacon for what we're, what we're preaching and, here. At, at and, DI, man. and here's, here's another thing. The track's done such a great, yeah, that's right. Lance just Matt Hagen. Matt Hagen. That's Matt Hagen. Yeah. That's, that's right. when I first I encountered Matt. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He ran uh, Big Dog, but well, and they tried to do their own version of Big Dog, right? Yeah. Um, at uh, at uh, Radford, Virginia, the track that yeah. uh, Motor Mile, uh, the track what they Sammy call what they call that deal, Jason. We what ran mad, it a couple times. What How, mad? What Mad Dog? It was. It might have uh, been Mad Dog. Was it? Was it Mad Dog? No, I think it was Mad Dog. Oh, was that was Mooresville. Mad Dog. Yeah, Mooresville's Mad Dog. Yeah, I, I'll but, think of it here in a minute. Yeah, we we yeah. ran that a couple times. Yeah, but I mean, you think about it. You get seven hundred fifty dollars to qualify. I mean that. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but you can show right now. You can show up NHRA pro mod. Yeah, but think think about this. You can show up right now. All you got to do is be one of the eight cars. You can make a pass. It doesn't have to be. It could be five thirty. You get seven hundred fifty dollars. And mean sixteen was what was. That's it. So I mean, like think about it. You get seven hundred fifty dollars to just to qualify. I mean, what places do that now? I, I've got semis at PDRA. I mean, no, no, you know, I'm not trying to bash on them, but I, you know, I got twelve fifty. 
you know, and but nobody remembers me getting semis at uh, PDRA. They remember me beating four cars at Big Dog on Thursday night. So <laughs> I, I just mean, think that it, they've it's a there's something about it, and it, it's honestly we have this conversation a lot, and I'm not like you know saying anybody needs to change anything, but that's drag racing looks good. I mean, that is a venue that that really serves our sport well. I mean, Mike made a good point talking about Z-Max. That's obviously an incredible facility, beautiful, luxurious, the sky bar, you know, the suites and everything. It's great. But man, I don't know that drag racing plays that well at a facility like that. I mean, I think if I wanted to take someone and really get them hooked, I'm taking them to Piedmont on Thursday night. I'm getting, you know what I mean? I'm getting them down there and around this scene and that energy because you're not going to feel it that way i mean you may have your the earth shake underneath you when four top fuel cars you know hit the gas on the starting line down there at z max but it's it's a different experience right you really get drag racing at its finest when you go to some of these eighth mile facilities and i just think they're doing so many things right man i really do jason what's the outlook for the may 5th race as far as coming off the the lower car count this past uh a week with, mean, with the event. I mean, what do you guys, what's, what, what's being done behind the scenes or, or what's going on to, uh, to well, leading into the May 5th deal? Unfortunately, we lost a couple of cars during testing. We would have had more. Uh, Mike Graham's got a 481X. He had a, a unfortunate motor problem with testing the day before. Uh, so he should be back. So that's, you know, that's five. Um, I know, um, uh, Barry Mitchell's got a nitrous car coming with Robbie Kazai. They're, they're going to come with a five, three, um, uh, there's still some, you know, the five inch guys, they still got a chance. Somebody's run the five inch got the five inch stuff, unlimited stuff. So, um, Schrader may be back. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I mean, they, you know, they felt like they got kind of dirt done dirty with the rule change and things like that, but I, I can kind of see where Amanda was at. She was trying to make it more of a, a more class filler, trying to get more guys like Jay Cox and them to come. Uh, so she tried to cut, move some rules around, but it was a little too late. Uh, but I mean, Ryan Schrader's got a pro nitrous car, so he's more than welcome to bring it too. It'll fit right in there, you know. I mean, you got to weigh NHRA 2580 for nitrous cars, uh, depending on cubic inch. Uh, 481Xs, they are allowing Hemi's uh, with uh, at NHRA legal, uh, which means gearing and everything has to be NHRA legal stuff. So, I mean, you know, there's uh, Chip King, there's some of them guys. Um, the guy at your way, uh, Mike, with the um, with the Chevelle, what's his name? Uh, Runs NHRA Pro Mod. Uh, Doug Winters. Winters, yes, yeah, sorry, yep. Doug. Uh, Doug Winters. Uh, you know, th- th- that is perfect for him. I mean, yep. he'll fit right in there. You know, these guys. There's a lot run. of cars, man. There's a lot of cars on Projects around the area, North South Carolina, Virginia, that have struggled to keep up with the pace of Pro Nitrous or NHRA Pro Mod. Um, we were one of them, man. A, a, a series like Big Dog is is the place to look if you're if you fit in that category. Right, right. And, and I know parts problems have been an issue. I mean, yeah. you know, nationwide, I deal with it every day uh, here. But, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of guys got caught behind the eight ball with that. So hopefully, you know, I'd like to see 10 cars. That would be my goal. If I could see 10 cars, then then that would be that would be my benefit. Because, you know, I, I don't want to see three guys go home, but it would be it would make racing a little tighter because it's hard to get eight cars qualified fast in two runs. What were the real changes, Jason? Uh, last year we ran five inch only, so nothing bigger than 800 cubic inch. You can only run two stages. Uh, we were only allowed 481X, and I believe it was with a non a cast blower of 1871, and we had to run a certain overdrive. I want to say it was 21 or something percent overdrive, and I think they weighed 20, 
2575 or 2550. I'm not 100% sure on the blower rules. Uh, last year, five inch stuff, depending on cubic inch, had to weigh anywhere from 2400 to uh, 2500. So, like a 762, I had to weigh 2450, but I was only limited to two systems. Uh, no lockups. Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem was, we were talking about $80,000 five inch motors that just wasn't out there anymore. Right. Um, there, there are some out there, but these guys, I mean, you can go pick up a five, three right now for 60,000. So why are you going to spend 80 on a, on a five inch motor? That's only good at big dogs. So now we were thinking going to the five threes that we can draw some guys that can run PRA can run NMCA NHRA. We can draw these guys right, in right. and even the Hemis, the 481 X was kind of an older blower combination. But if you bring a Hemi in at, and we looked at NHRA eighth mile, numbers is what we originally did and all, all of us got in a room and we voted and and we tried to keep it cost effective as heads up race could be cost effective but um it just we looked at the cars that we had and that's how big dog started we looked at the cars that were coming to the racetrack what we had and we tried to make it uh cost effective and we tried to base the rules off of that and and when you're dealing with pro mods in this area, it's kind of a sticky situation. But there are a lot, like Mike said, there's a lot of guys on projects that could come out and can be competitive. And, and nobody says you got to come out here and go 378. I mean, you know, I got lucky the other night. I just hit it right, right combination. And I'm not going to tell you I couldn't go faster. I'm not going to tell you that I just hit it amazing because I never could go back to it after that. I did it one time. You know, so, I mean, there's a, there's a side effect. Anybody could have beat me in the finals if they could have just went down the racetrack. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. Barry got beat. Barry, Barry was the car to beat. I mean, we knew Barry was going to lay some numbers down and, and cross the center line. And, and that's just how it kind of goes. And that's what it's about too, man. I think too, I agree. when, when the track's perfect and we're at these crazy facilities, people look at who's, who's the quickest. And if they're nowhere in sight of that guy, they're not showing up because they feel like they don't have any chance because, Really, the track is going to be on kill the whole time. They're not going to have an equalizer to be able to try to catch those guys. Like you said, crossing the center line, track fading in and out, dew setting, whatever the situation may be, you got lane equalizers at, at lane choice. You lane got equalizers choice, yeah. at big dog to where, yeah, you even if you're a 10th off the, the quickest guy or whatever, drag your shit out there because you never know what's going to happen, man. I mean, no. we, we don't race these things on paper, and no. that's what we've got to get back to. We've gotten dangerously close to racing them on paper, in my opinion, <laughs> because of the perfect conditions that everyone is presented with. This is not knocking any of that, but if we want to get back to some some nitty gritty racing, this is the way to do it. Do you think I was just trying to. So being what you've said about the rules, Jason, and trying to open it up and, and let some of these, you know, a pro nitrous car and NHRA legal pro mod car show up. What do you think it's going to take to get those guys? Because is it not enticing to a Jay Cox to like put a little weight in his car, not lean on it as much, but go race in a competitive environment? Like, what's it going to take? I mean, if you had, I mean, obviously you can't speak for those guys, but I'm just curious. Like, you're a racer. You do this. You've raced in all these different arenas. What what is the what's going to get them over the hump to get? Do you think it's just stuff like this where it's starting? We can talk about it and make yeah, put yeah. a little shine on it. Maybe that's. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it's going to take? Because for me, I'm going, Jay Cox, I've never seen anybody work on his ship more than that guy, right? <laughs> I, I mean, you walk by his pits, and I mean, it's like a war zone most of the time because this dude races hard, right? Yeah. I mean, he runs hard. Yeah, absolutely. You'd think it'd be fun for him and Lloyd, him and the, his dad to go out and race and not maybe have to do quite that much work, not have to yank the heads off of it, not have to lean on it that hard. 
I, I mean, I think Jay's a prime example. I hate to keep coming back to Jay, but Jay's only, you know, an hour and a half up the road. But maybe it's the weight. Maybe, you know, he's concentrating on PDRA. That's where his sponsor it, yeah. wants him to run. I mean, and and, and maybe, you know, it's he's got to add 100 pounds, 125 pounds to his car. I, I, I mean, we have to weigh 24-25. He's got to weigh 24-50 this year in, in uh, Pro Nitrous. So he's got to add 130 pounds to yeah, his that's car. A lot, man. And that's a lot. But in the same aspect, it's an hour and a half from his house. It's on a Thursday night. He could be back at work on money or whatever he does people people say he works i'm not sure but <laughs> but and all I of mean, our phones are going to be melting down after yeah, i know i know i know he's going to get me good but i mean for a good example him tommy tommy's two hours away from us i mean tell it you know he can bring his car down uh randy weatherford he's you know an hour from us there's a lot of guys in this area that can can run hard now you know some of the like randy's car to pro charge car really doesn't fit into rules i mean it's just not that paceable but you know, there's a lot of different cars that can come down and run. And if we got to the point where we can, you know, like you say, deciding factor is not always how fast you are. It's all also, and you can look at that when we run pro nitrous first round is always the best round because it's middle of the day. You never know what's going to happen. Halsley okay. got beat at, you know, I almost got beat at uh Goliath because the track just changed. I mean, it was just crazy changed on us. And I've always said, my dad's always plays the ladder game. He looks at where you qualify. Oh, you got to qualify here so you can meet so-and-so. I'm like, look, the top 16 guys can whoop your butt no matter where yeah. you're at on the ladder. And I try to tell him that. And I said, for a good example, I would rather run Tommy, Jay, or Jim first round because number one, nerves, and number two, you know, the, the track factor. So that maybe that's yeah, – if you've got to run them in the final – <laughs> that's like oh, the they've got, they've got data. it's they've eight o'clock the they've made two runs yeah. you know what i mean the sun's down the track's coming around yeah that's the last time you yeah, want to race yeah, them yeah. guys that's why you'll never I, i'm not a big qualifier you never see me top three you know qualifying because i'm just i'm not gonna push my car to the fact that well i've got to work on it that night and these guys have got their combinations down so take that to big dog now you can come there you don't have to work on your stuff, which I don't know if Jay can run without burning up there because he's going to try to beat me no matter what. So, <laughs> so, but, I mean, you know, Tommy's the same way. I mean, these guys can come down there. And, you know, there's some safety factors we need to factor into Piedmont, and maybe we can put some money into the track and get it back, you know. But at the same aspect, if we could keep this a 380 under 200 uh, deal, I, I think – we're going to be successful and we're going to do what we have to do to get there. If we have to limit the five, three guys to three stages or four stages or whatever we have to do to keep them under that with a jet size, then we're going to do that. The, the number one issue is tech. You know, you got to be pretty smart to tech all these cars. Mm -hmm. And we, mm -hmm. and Rick Moore has been teching for the last couple of years, but he's only one guy and he, you know, Rick tries to stay up on the up and up, but it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, it is. Like, like, Rick's Rick's a hero of that deal too. Rick's a guy yeah. he used to compete in it. I mean, I don't think they opened the gates at Piedmont without Rick Moore being there, and he's right. an unsung hero on that deal. He yeah, is, man. I remember that Grand Am, that red Grand Am with Spider Man on it, right? Like that—that yep. that was the, yep. one of the cars, right? In the in the the it's, height of Big Dog. It goes back to wrestling. I've always said wrestling and monster trucks. If you go back to that, that's what it was about. It wasn't always about. The Grand Am that won, or Rick Moore that won, Spider Man won, you know, Hulk won. Uh, we had uh, Superman, we had them all, Green Goblin, we had them all. I mean, every superhero there ever was, and that's kind of the way they were at. I mean, and, and I'm a, I'm a, 
one of those guys I like the name. That's why I have party time. I, I love Harold Denton. That's where I grew up. I wanted to bring that heritage back. But, you know, I, I, I like the fact that Jay calls his the pumpkin. You know, there's there's just a lot of things that go back into Big Dog that we could make uh, that style racing. Well, and I think better. an argument, Jason, to that point could be made that, uh, like using the PDRA as an example, I think a guy like Tommy Franklin shows up or a Jay Cox shows up and develops a fan following locally. Those guys are apt to come to VMP to watch their, right. their their boy carry the flag in pro nitrous competition, right? I mean, I, I think that like Jim Halsey, a lot of his fan following, I really think came from racing at Cecil County, running the Yellow Bullet deal early on, or running at English Town, right? And you know, doing those outlaw races, and you get, I mean, honestly, I think that's how a lot of the fan following that John Force has and Don Garlitz has. They built those followings, match racing, barnstorming these small eighth mile tracks all over the country. You get that, you plant seeds locally. And when the big show comes to town, those guys are going to come fly your flag, you know? And I, I honestly think there could be, I think there could be some benefit to the PDRA and to those series by developing those followings and developing those, the, uh, the relationships with the fans on a local basis like that. And you never know, man, it could help anywhere the PDRA went. Yeah, events like Big Dog could serve a. I really think serve a strong purpose, man. Right, exactly. So, <clears throat> well, dude, I appreciate you so much taking the time to talk about this stuff. It's it's been great. We're big fans of what you're doing. We're obviously looking forward to seeing you compete at the the fast approaching Big Dog Shootout next uh, Thursday night. Right? Is that what it yeah, is? No, two Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah, two, two, weeks. two weeks away, May fifth. Uh, Cinco de Mayo meets Big Dog, and we also I expect to see you at the Door Slammer Derby. Right. The, yep. the PDRA event coming up at uh, Bowling Green uh, in Bowling Green, Kentucky at Beach Bend Raceway, man. We uh, we're super happy for all your success and everything you got going on, man. Congratulations on the win. And uh, we hope to see you again soon, Jason. Thank you, brother. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for what Thanks, you guys did. Yep. Have a good one. Our pleasure, brother. Thank you, man. This is uh, he's I a really good. Did. He's a good interview. He dude. is a great interview. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. He comes by that naturally with his dad. Yeah, we, we should probably have Bob on here sometime. I don't know if we have enough time or if there's enough internet available um, in the world uh, for that conversation. But we should consider because you know Bob all but invented a lot of that shit out there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And he, I mean he's uh, he's so passionate about it, and I just think that it's a it's a great series, and I'm glad we spent some time talking about it because at times. You know, I remember one time David Rear, he called me uh, from Rear Morrison Racing Engines and I don't, it still blew my mind, like thinking that my phone, I looked down and it was, you know, David Rear and I'm like, what is, what is happening, right? <laughs> and I remember answering the phone and him giving me this, and he was actually giving me a little bit of a talking to, to be totally honest. He was giving me a little uh, uh, principal's office treatment, you know, and he said, hey, this magazine, and this has been probably in 2010, this has probably been 10, 12 years ago. He's like, this magazine, I love it, but I just want you to know that uh, there's a Shannon Jenkins and a Jason Scruggs at every drag strip in America. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you, you guys are real big on this, you know, super high level pro mod racing. And that's great, you know, but and, and I'm glad you're taking care of those guys. But remember, you know, there's all these eighth mile tracks across the country that have a local hero. Right. Well, and well, what's that go back to, though, from our perspective, it's what sometimes we have to cover what we can cover and yeah. all those, the, all those heroes may exist across all those other tracks and all those other smaller series, but we don't have the resources to cover yeah, it. So that's hard. where, that's where having a marketing person on staff at Piedmont, they have Greg Burrow who supplied us with photos and, and stories from each big dog event for years in the magazine. 
Um, without someone like that, either on staff or a freelancer that comes in and kind of tells the story of your track or of your heroes, like what I mean, run locally, we, this is a little bit of an opportunity. I mean, it's an opportunity for us to plug that because, uh, I mean, I don't mean to make this a sales pitch, but we do that for a lot of sanctions and series yeah. in drag racing. I mean, we handle all the PDRA's media. We handle Midwest drag racing series. We do a bunch of different things. We do it for individual tracks and it's, uh, and I'm not, I don't care if you hire us to do it or if you hire someone else, but you got to have a Greg Burrow. You got to have, we've talked two things that I want to make, uh, two points I want to make as we wrap up here. And I do, again, I want to thank all of our sponsors, Holly Performance Parts, Elite HP, Stroud Safety, Flow Racing, Sand Haulers of America, Redline Synthetic Oils. We are very blessed here at Drag Illustrated and the West Buck Show to have a whole lot of people that share our vision for the sport of drag racing and uh, want to help us provide more value to the sport of drag racing. And we, we, wouldn't, we couldn't do this without them. So thank you guys all so much. But two kind of closing thoughts as we wrap up today's show, guys. Um, one, you've got to take matters into your own hands, much like Alex Taylor, right? I mean, she's yeah. not waited on Fox News or, or ESPN to latch onto her story and start spreading the gospel. She's not waited on Drag Illustrated, right? She's done it on her own. She's She's taken matters into her own hands and started telling her story. And, and secondly, I think that that's, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago, but Chris Graves with Funny Car Chaos, Kenny Nolling with the ADRL at its height, right? Keith Haney with the Midwest Drag Racing Series, Tyler Crossnow with the PDRA, um, Steve Walcott with the NMCA. There's got to be someone waving your flag, right? If you want Donald Long with radial tire racing, I mean, this is a great, I've told this story many times, but it's, a, it's worth repeating that. At one point in time, not too long ago, radio cars were, were filler, right? I mean, drag radio was an also-ran category. I think people yeah. that are relatively new to the sport would be blown away to think that the Shane stat, like a lot of these guys that were that are huge names, those guys were, they ran after Pro Mod or after Pro Street, right? I mean, they were a after Outlaw 10-5. That was Donald's now, call to, that was his was. battle cry. Radio tires in the to the front, right? Park yep. all that other stuff in the because in they're. The because they were always in the weeds. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think yep. that the the takeaway from it is that someone's got to be out front, waving the flag, shouting from the rooftops about what you're doing. And uh, we're happy to do as much of it as we possibly can, but there's a lot of ground to cover out here. So every sanctioned series track, I really think the difference between a track that's super successful or a series that's super successful, it, it's, a, it's a charismatic individual out front. It's someone shouting it's someone talking about it it's someone keeping the the conversation going so uh hey we're, i'm happy to have contributed a little bit to that this past weekend what is this Harris right there below chargers okay yeah yep. so that's a little bit of a different Remember when he uh, was the mc at, at did it one year or two yeah, years yeah right. right. for seven, and i was yeah. like sitting there because he'd always say now me and this racer, we have we don't always see eye to eye, and I'm like, man, he's been into it about everybody. Yeah, every everything was. Yeah, me and this guy, we we nearly fought to the death, but I love him. I love him anyway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's those were those were some great banquets, man. Those were great. Shout out to PDRA, still to this day, all time greatest drag racing banquets. I've never oh, yeah. seen anybody do it better. Undefeated champion of banquets. Undefeated PDRA. champion of banquets. It's always, always a good time after the banquet too. It seems like that night. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. typically a real good time for you and Mark Caruso. Undefeated yeah. post uh, banquet champion, JT yeah. Hudson. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Okay, well, real quick, guys, let's just uh, we we've got what fifteen minutes or so before we got to wrap this thing up. 
Uh, let's just do, what are you looking for this weekend? Mike, JT, we got NHRA. We talked about this at the beginning of the show, but NHRA Spring Nationals. Um, we talked about it a little bit, the, the NHRA's last trip to to Houston Raceway Park. I mean, are, is it a bittersweet I'm interested thing? In all excited? Of them. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in really all of them. Uh, there's some good racing going on this weekend, and and I'm just kind of excited to see see it all. And it's all a different type of racing. So that I think that piques your interest as well. You know, just like Alex was talking about wanting to race in a bunch of different things. As a spectator of drag racing, I, I want to also watch different types of racing. So, you know, we've got everything from pro met, uh, no prep, you know, all the way to the professionals in uh, in uh, NHRA. So, yeah, I mean, well, in between Saturday, Flow Racing and Mad yeah. TV and, and Fox, you're going to be able to watch all this stuff. You're overload, right? NMCA, yeah. no, uh, no Prep Kings, uh, all this stuff. It's going to so be go ahead and like do some nice stuff for your wife this week. <laughs> Build up some credit, yeah, kiss up, so yeah. that you can uh, keep that keep that bad boy. Keep all of your devices locked on Flow, Flow, Man, got, HRA TV, Fox, whatever other deals you can get going. I've got uh, I got to keep going to prom this week. Oh my gosh, JT, this weekend isn't that crazy? What? Yeah, I know, and I'll probably be at the after prom party. But yeah, I, I, I figured. <laughs> I look, hey guys, can I get in here? You want me to chaperone? Can I come in and? Hey, uh, what, how about Erica Ender's uh, oh, four-time yeah. pro star, NHRA yeah, pro star champion, throwing that. out the first pitch tonight at the Houston Astros game? Dude, I that's, think that's that's a big awesome. deal. I mean, that's big. That yeah, is that's, awesome. I think. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like George W. Bush threw that pitch out at the at a Houston Astros game, right? Absolutely. And now we got man. now we got Erica Ender's. I wonder if she's. I wonder what her what her uh, throwing arm is like. I don't know, Erica. Don't get nervous. Don't, yeah. don't stove up up there. I wonder if she's been she's been uh, practicing out. Are you ever surprised by like they'll have high level athletes come out there and like throw the ball in the stands? You know, yeah. and it just or or it's crazy. Just, dude, dude, it's far. I don't know how far it is. I'm not a baseball expert, but it's like it's longer much, than you think. Much further than you think from from uh, the pitcher's mound to home plate. So launch that thing was it was like was it 50 cent that like launched it like yeah. sideways in the dugout uh, yeah. what's his name uh fauci fauci did about as well on his first pitch as he did with his uh covid coverage oh, that guy <laughs> <laughs> well how about i think conor mcgregor like the ufc star he threw it in the dirt like yeah. i he threw it i, I couldn't see him throwing one yeah i, I don't know yeah now that's weird i think like, that's a great no, dude, thing you're, you're right-handed yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. I think that uh, if we could get more things like that, I love these crossover opportunities. Like, I mean, because what does that do for Erica Enders? What does that do for that whole for the NHRA? I mean, I just think it's a guilty by association type of thing that I mean, I know it has happened several times in the past. I know the forces have thrown out first pitches out yep. on the West Coast. I think it's uh, some the Los Angeles Angels games. Uh, Curtis uh, Thomas says it's 90 feet. From I think that's correct. Pitchers mound to home plate. I know it is. I know it is from base to base. I'll just look it up for you guys. Yeah, Google it. Thanks. Who cares? Erica's, Erica's probably like, we're, we're, we're hyping this up too much. We're not trying to make you nervous, Erica. Go out there. And I, I, am, I Drag am. racing <laughs> is... Oh, I got to show you guys this video real quick. Have you seen this shit? Oh, hold on real quick. Like this, this is a great after hours thing. I saw this. So listen, we talk about burnouts happening at, on Las Vegas Boulevard on the strip, feet. right out in Las Vegas. How many feet is it? 60 foot, six inches. Oh, 60. 60 feet. All right. The only 60 feet I, I say care 90. about I was trying an to... orange well, cone. 90 is from base to base. Okay. Remember how far, or where are you going? About 90 feet. Neat. Remember that? <laughs> Nicole like, Erickson but, says she threw it out. In a uh, in a mascot outfit at a Kansas City Royals game. Oh wow, that's she's awesome! Multi talented. You don't remember, you don't remember Major League? 
What, what, yeah, I remember when he was going to steal the base. Yeah. Where do you think you're going? About 90 feet. <laughs> Look at this. Have you guys seen this? I don't know if there's a way to turn it down. There we go. Check this out. All right, this is somewhere in Sweden. Have you seen this? I have not uh, seen this. This is our first time. Okay. So, if you're on a podcast for like, watching okay. So, that, I'm gonna. If you're listening tank. along via audio, is that a Beamer uh, wagon uh, tow vehicle? Yes. This is somewhere in Australia, or excuse me, Sweden, and they appear to have unloaded a nitro funny car on a accident, right? And they have traffic stopped. There are semis, there are headlights as far as you can see. This is a public roadway. I see some dudes with uh, headsets on. And here comes, like I said, what appears to be a big show Nitro oh. 20 car. Roll it across the rumble strips here. All right. And he's headed to Jarna. That's what the roadside says. Rolled out on the highway and just let it eat. Um, and what I, was this for? What was this? I think this is the type of stuff they do in Sweden. Just as a promotional? This was a promotional event for something? I know. I don't think it was something? for a Formula One race or anything. I don't. I think they just <laughs> felt like doing a burnout. And they probably didn't have anywhere else convenient to go. I don't that know. But I was backed up forever behind those cars. Dude, how how I used to, I used to have buddies do that when I worked at Freedom Cycle in Kansas City. They would shut down interstates. And you want to talk about pissing off the locals? Shut down a highway. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Not well received. Very rarely are people excited about that. I mean, in that particular that's instance, why they get, that's why they put bumpers on trucks and get moved them some bitches out of the way. Can you imagine like rolling down the highway the other direction? You know what I mean? And seeing smoke rolling off a funny car. Talking about rubberneck. Did you see all the cars? You're allowed to rubberneck if you see a nitro funny car doing a burnout on the yeah, like, What the hell? <laughs> oh, dude, what a what a scene, man. I didn't know what to make of that. I got tagged in it like 60,000 times on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I've seen it. I, I mean, but it doesn't have. It's, someone's saying it's a, it's a Andy Co Cowan. Cohen is saying it's a demonstration because of the cost to get anywhere to race. Is that uh, it's really? because of the pound is that a pound symbol they can't get yes. to the uk so it's a it's a it was a protest or demonstration of some kind really yeah you know what? i'm gonna tell you the what traffic behind those trucks well i hope our friends here in america that's the way to demonstrate right like if you're gonna demonstrate just do it with funny cars yeah. right do burnouts with we, we condone cars, we condone those demonstrations yeah we're big fans of of those demonstrations yeah, I, got, I got one for you here's a demonstration what is this one this. What is this one? Oh, I know. Why, why isn't it playing? Oh, there, we oh, go. there it is. They race. Oh, this is from our race at Bandit. Right? Was, was this the first? Is this the first uh, uh, World Series of Pro Mod that we did? This? Yeah. We, was we, that the first one? We kicked yeah. it off in style with that with that deal. Man, I can't believe how, like, when he went to take off, it, it rattled you, didn't it? Well, yeah, it blew my eardrums out just now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was four years ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're still ringing. Yeah, they're still ringing, literally. No. That's, yeah, you talk about balls, man. If, some, if something goes wrong with 
anything on that deal. That guy is yeah. You're not taking the head part, off, right? part of the Bandamere Racing Service from now. Yeah, on. and you got me sitting there close to you with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth and a beer, you know, and my cell phone, aka <laughs> yeah, breakfast, aka breakfast. Yeah, what a deal, man. What a deal. Well, hey guys, thanks for the time. I was I really enjoyed talking to Alex and and Jason. What great guests, man. It was. Right. I'm going to see Joe Rogan tonight, so I got to bounce. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Be sure to tell him that you do a podcast too. Yeah, I know. Maybe he'll book yeah. me on his, right? <laughs> I'm going to shoot him. I'm going to like hold a sign up that says, do you want to be on my show next Tuesday, next Wednesday, right? Yeah. Do it. I dare That'd you. be a great deal. Do it. We could that get that would be, uh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty interesting if we get Joe Rogan on the, on the West Buck show. That would be, it would be cool, man. I'm looking forward to it though. I really am. I haven't been to we'd, like. All of a sudden we'd be getting canceled uh, left and right. Yeah. Downtown left. Fort Worth, Wait, oh, man. Le- left uh, only. Dickies Arena. Left Dickies only. Arena. I said, I said left and right. We'd only get left only cancellation. Yeah, that's a fact, man. It's a fact. What do you do? Well, guys, <laughs> thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. We got anything else to cover or is it time to wrap? That's it. I think it's time to wrap. Well, hey, guys, again, I just want to tell you all, thank you so much for being a part of this deal. Thanks for tuning in each and every Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back next Wednesday, of course, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time to continue the drag racing conversation. Huge shout out to all of our sponsors. Everybody that supports this program makes all the difference in the world. Rogan is a car guy, says Kevin Stevenson. I, uh, and I appreciate you guys. Seriously, all of y'all watching along, thank you so much. We, we genuinely enjoy the company, and we will see you next time. There you go. Thanks, y'all. Look at my big...